This is the Bull Mountain Brothers Podcast. Does it classify you as an adult to own an umbrella? What's the other one you use? Grubhub or something? Grubhub? <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're not getting it for good. And now he's the yawn guy? Welcome to season two of the Bull Mountain Brothers podcast. We are your host. And if you're new here, we've got Sean on my left, Ramsey on my left. I am Riley. And on my right, we have Matt. It's good to be back. How are we guys? Doing phenomenal. Pretty good. It's this is this is crazy. I know. It's cool. It's fun to be here. It is. It's uh season two. I mean, who would ever have thought of that a year ago when we started this? Let let me ask you a question. Have you guys ever done like a um like a passion project? Not even a passion project. I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. I don't know if I've ever, ever talked about this on here before, but when I was like 19, uh, me and a friend of mine decided that we were going to make antler handled knives. It was my first business experience as like a as anything. Self-employed. Yeah, self-employed kind of I mean, yeah, back then I was only going I was going to college, so it wasn't like I was working or anything. And uh, what he had was he was like a really good shed hunter, right? So he had all the sheds and I had the garage. My dad had the equipment, whatever. And it was one of those deals where we had all these high expectations just like this. I started an LLC um, and, you know, you had all these ideas and you ordered some stuff and you tried to make, you know, we made some cool stuff. Actually, I gave your dad one back in the day. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it wasn't too bad. It was just Ramsey helped out too. And, uh, you know, it, the difference I can obviously, you know, eight years in age difference, you've learned, you learn a lot, but I, I look back on that and I think there's a lot of projects in life where, you know, in that one in particular, um, we would, uh, we would meet up like every week and then it was every three weeks and then every month and then every two months. And, and then before you know it, three, six a year. And then before you know it, like we weren't doing it. And, uh, I remember getting like the letter every three weeks, like to re up for the LLC oh, yeah. and I just never did it. And then we never, we just never spoke and never did it again. And it's like, I think about like, that was a big thing going into this was like, I'm not going to let that happen. Like, and for us to put this much effort into it and we've had a couple decent breaks, I would say, you know, as far as the internet goes, but nothing like massive yet, but we're still grinding and we're still here and we have an audience. So to be here a year now, over a year of doing this and being on season two, it feels good. Like let's, I mean, honestly, let's just say we could have one listener, five listeners total and just be like set where, you know, we're, we, we don't grow from there like that. It could be like that, but clearly we have, you know, put time into it to surpass beating um, analytics over over the well year that we've been here. And that was like last night. You we went downtown or whatever, and you were walking down the street, and then you're like, "Dude, there was a guy wearing a Bull Mountain yeah. Brothers sweatshirt," and I was like, "That feeling that you get that you have people that are following you." And like supporting you and yeah. stuff, it's just it's surreal. Because I mean, honestly, I mean, let's be honest. Like when we when we first came out with merch, it was like, you know, friends and family bought it, right? Because you know, of course, they want to support us. I had no clue who this dude was, and he's just walking down the street wearing our hoodie. It's like that's cool. And 
also the same hoodie that both me and Sean <laughs> were both wearing at the same time. Well, the same hoodies. thing over the 4th of July. I remember that guy on the boat that no, none of us knew that had a Bull Mountain Brothers hat on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I remember being told when we first came up with the business and had the lo the logo and stuff oh, that our logo was attractive, but I, I don't know if that's really the only thing anymore. I think like we are having some sort of reach and it's going to have to start locally. I mean, we do local, you know, like giveaways and stuff like that. So it's mm -hmm. going to start with that kind of outreach and go from there. But I don't know. It's, uh, it's cool to, you know, we could have, we could have stayed, at my house doing a podcast every week or two or whenever Sean could make it out there and do what we did. But I think we have a, I think we have like a, a vision, you know, and a vision for portraying how our way of life and, 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 you know, not, not telling people they have to do hunting and outdoors the way we do, but showing how we do it. And if you can gain some experience out of it and it brings you enjoyment, like that brings us enjoyment. Well, I think the biggest thing is, is even for us, I've learned a lot just by having our podcast. I mean, I learned a ton from Chance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just different things like that when, when you have different people coming in on the podcast and different ideas. And it's like, damn, that's, I'm still on that. That's going on my bucket list, you know? And uh, it's, it's just coming into this when you guys first started your podcasting it was supposed to just be kind of a thing to joke around and have a good time with. And I mean, we went from hats to shirts to sweatshirts. We have calls for sale. I mean, we've done a lot really in six months. I think, I think a big like positive that came from, I mean, even the call it what you will, but even the growth that BNB has, has had in the last 365 days, it's, like our ideas that we like I Riley and I would have conversations on the phone like three or four times a week at night. Just like, dude, what if we did this? You know, well, like what if we could do that? And it was, I think that was like, in some ways you could think of that as being toxic for a business because you know, you don't want to try and build something too fast. But at the same time in our realm, I feel like it was a positive because it always kept us working. You know, like we were always trying to better ourselves. Yeah. And that's huge. I agree. I know, I know at the first, you know, the first part of this business, I was really pushing for like, we got to do this to advance this way. We have to get this person on here to advance this way. And we have to keep going harder and harder and harder. That may not be the all, you know, the all tell all. I, I'm having a stroke. First <laughs> stroke of the year, boys. Uh, the tell all. For that situation, because I do remember when we started this, um, I went to someone that I that I you know a business person, and I talked to them about what we're doing, and and you know I gave them some like oh, what how things are going, and their biggest advice to me was just to let things fall how they're going to, and not to, you know, push it till it dies, but also you have to grind to keep it alive, and that really stuck with me for a long time, and I I wouldn't think that we've I don't think there's a lot that I would change, I guess. No. And I mean, if you look at it too, though, like a lot of businesses, like take your, your, um, horned knife business. Yes. I think a lot of it 
can boil down to people start businesses and they have the passion and they have the drive for the first, call it three months. And the biggest thing is, is they get to a point which we have in BNB, we have definitely been there before where we're kind of coasting, right? The problem is, is those businesses that fail within that, call it four to eight month, it doesn't, they don't continue to try and build. And that's where they get stuck and they hit a brick wall and then it's it just dissolves. Yeah, and I, I'd say like a question to you guys would be, wouldn't, would you say that you were always like excited for season two or season three or season four? Like, did you ever, did you see that in your eyes for the future come like July of last year? I mean, I always wanted it to like just be something that happened forever, but uh, it's nice to have this group of guys because when one of us kind of like, or one or two of us kind of slant off the third guy or the fourth guy is always like, no, we need to grind and we need to do this shit. And I think that's what's kept it going. And I want this thing to go forever now. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of companies, not even companies, but like we watch a lot of social media just to stay relevant. Um, and to know the, what's really going on in the community because you kind of have to, to, to do what we're doing. And there's groups of four, there's groups of three, groups of two. And then like, let's say a group of four, one guy has a kid or something and then he falls off the face of the earth or one guy gets a job in Minnesota, falls off the face of the earth. It seems like we're, we're all at very like open points in our life where we can all have passion for this. And, you know, even the people that have like, clearly we've talked about in the past, Matt has a very like accomplished would you say accomplished family like you're i mean you have kids in college out of college high school whatever yes, like you've kids. you've you've been through every single stage and you're still here to grind through this sean just got married ramsey and i are bacheloring it out but at the same time like we're all at a place where like this can fit in the confines of our passions and be able to go and do outdoor stuff and share that with everybody well, I think, yeah, yes, I agree a hundred percent on that. I think the biggest thing is, is us four can go do stuff individually or as a group. It seems like there's always, regardless of what we do, it's always twos. You know what I mean? Either it'll be four of us or two of us, but very seldom do we have solo hunts or solo fishing trips that we just do. I mean, you and Ramsey are, you know, tied at the hips. And uh, you guys do everything, or you and Sean do. You know, we were supposed to do the deal at the end of the month that fell through that, you know, but there's there's always something that we can do individually or as a group. I mean, you know, we, we went with our turkey hunt last year, which we're doing again this year. I mean, I, I feel like that's a group effort. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, and solo stuff isn't out of the realm either. I mean, that could definitely pop off, but as our vision and mission has always been to share with people how like rewarding it is to share this with your friends and family and enjoy those memories. Like I'll to my grave, I will stand behind the point of the memories made outdoors, like is the the highest pinnacle of, and, and maybe that's just biased because I'm not out. And these are just 
terrible examples, but I'm not like super into roller skating or like, I'm not super into bowling or something, but it, but there's just something about the outdoors that's so drawing. And so like, I don't know, you just have to do it. You have to be out there and do it. There's times where we're not even hunt, like we're hunting and we're not even on animals, but just to spend that camaraderie on the side of a fucking mountain overlooking a sunset is just like, I mean, obviously it's not romantic, but I mean, it's, <laughs> Well, it's not, but it is in the same sense because it's, again, it's one of them deals like doing that turkey hunt last year with you boys. I mean, just the five of us hanging out at the camp and we'd had our podcast and had dinner and breakfast and told jokes all night and had a few drinks. It's something you could have went on a cruise with your family and it would have been a different memory, but it would have as far as hunting goes or outdoors stuff goes, I think you, you remember it a lot longer. Yeah. It's like, it, like talking about a cruise, a lot of fun, short term, like success and enjoyment. Um, and then you'll have some memories for life, but it seems like every time we go in the outdoors, I could like vividly think back to every moment. You know what I mean? It's like such an engraved, even if it's something like, I remember stuff that Ramsey and I did when we were in, you know, kids out on the ranch by our house. Like it's just, I don't know. There's just something about it that hits you in a place. You know, and a lot of it too, it's like when you, when you speak, when you say like hunting communities, like that's not like, that's not the Yellowstone County hunting community. It could be, this is a hunting community right here. And shit, 98% of our outdoors that we do is the four of us. Either it's two of us together, three of us together, four of us together. We do majority of our outdoors experiences are with each other. And that also builds like just that thought itself builds, you know, more memories in my head than like going out by myself and doing something, which it's still fine to do that. A lot of guys are, you know, weekend warriors that do stuff by themselves and it's impressive. Um, like when we had chance on talking about who sh shoots a 417 inch bowl by himself. Yeah. And, it, it, but at the same time, I mean, we've, we've, you know, beat this horse so many times on this podcast, which, you know, it's hate, br hate bringing up past things up, but it's so much better to have somebody else there. Yeah. I hunted one time by myself this past archery season. And it was when you kind of decided that you were just going to stay home and hang out a little bit. And I was like, well, I might as well get up and, and go out and. I was sitting there in our blind on the side of the hill, and I'm just like, this sucks. This is boring. And then walking in in the dark, I'm like looking over my shoulder every two or three seconds, every twig that breaks and everything. I'm like, mm -hmm. Well, and the coolest thing, too, is like that natural ground blind that we have on that property is like. Had. had also dead. Had on that property, <laughs> yeah. Riley and I had our own. Um, experience there together. Bonding experience. You and I have had several bonding experiences there. It's just cool because it's like, it's almost like you get to that place and like, I don't, was I don't mean to try and get like super sentimental, but it's like. It's okay. This has been pretty much 20 minutes of sentimental. We can, you, we can roll with it for now. You kind of like, I'm going to be honest, like the times that I've went there, you like sit there and you're like, the moments that I've had sitting under this bush with this stick up my ass is <laughs> phenomenal. You know what I mean? It, it, this just, and it's, it's been awesome. 
clarify and there's been, this there, for me. There, sorry. Was that the very first place that you ever heard an elk bugle while hunting with a tag in your pocket? Yes. Like a huntable place. Yes. We've talked about you guys stopped off the side of the road while you had a tag right. in your pocket, but whatever. That wasn't I didn't have four a tag in the morning. Then. Oh, really? No. Well, and... uh that whole year, I just I didn't even have a even think you know I'm not gonna to I'm not gonna say the story that happened at this place that Sean's talking about, but there's even funny moments that we've had from that same place. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, I would lo- I would literally give you fifty dollars to is tell that story on this podcast, <laughs> dude. It's too it's too graphic. <laughs> that's a that's an after story. <laughs> Uh, same spot. I don't even know if that's an after dark. No, that's rough. It was also very personal. I didn't even know. Just to clarify on this too, I didn't even actually know this story till like months and months have passed after. He was, he was very good at keeping that to himself. Apparently, I was just uh, yeah. But I was more impressed with the cleanup on it, to be honest. But we're gonna we're gonna zoom past this conversation. Okay, literally just explained the whole. Story. No, it's fine. We're gonna move on. <laughs> okay. Um. But yeah, I mean, we can even talk about like fishing spots too i mean there's so many like fishing holes or stuff like that that you just go back to and like you hop like even when we went fishing with josh last spring um like to go back like we've i've been there you that was your first time going but i've been there multiple times and just to see what buddy is going to catch what thing out of what hole usually is just like it's, it's just something different man it's something something that you can't write in a book i mean people have i guess but it's so unique to yourself. It's like, do you guys ever like, I, I, I didn't get this when I, you know, cause like, obviously I wasn't in the hunting world, um, up until I was, you know, in my twenties, but like, even like the fishing, cause I, every, you know, most Montana residents growing up have fishing experiences when they're tw- 10 years old, 12 yeah. years old. Um, did you like, then it was like it was just a spot like when you were in high school you had your fishing spots right oh yeah and you and your buddies every day if not three to four times a week right and so like you thought of it as your fishing spot right yeah nothing else now like as i've gotten older i've like i've kind of like looked back in like like my bachelor party when i was driving in there i'm like so many it's like my life flashed before my eyes like so many just because i piss pounded that lake for years and years and that's like my start to like serious fishing was that lake and it's like it's it's crazy because it's like you don't think of that stuff and it's it's almost like that saying it's like why can't you know you're in the good old days when you're in them yeah. you know what i mean it's like that's this it, it's surreal well what's cool too is at that moment you're then sharing those memory, well, not those exact memories, but now you're making memories back at that same place with your new, right. you know, best friends, brothers, whatever you're doing at that point. It's it goes all around, but, um, you know, and the other part of what we really stood for this whole year is to bring on the most unique people that we could that we think that have a cool voice that you would never get to hear again. You know, people, you know, if you listen to any social media podcasts that are going on right now, you, you've you heard Brendan Schaub or um, Theo Vaughn 5,000 times on someone's different podcast. A lot of the guys that you hear in ours that told amazing stories from their life, lifehood and stuff like that, you'll never hear about them from them again. But we got to 
we got to tell the story and i think that's that's what's amazing to me absolutely it's just it's it's just really funny like i'm gonna be honest like my vision on what we're doing right now i don't think it really ever made it very far like i never up until probably four months ago was like futuristically thinking bnb like it was just kind of like you know what you know we're doing a podcast how far can this go let's just let's just have fun do a podcast but it's it's just seriously shocking and i like all these big tiktok people youtubers what do they call them content creators is yeah that, is that yeah. what we are somewhat i guess I, think. I mean you know as we create contents I mean. but i mean it's like do you like you don't hear that from a lot of those people like them starting and how it was and like how they've gotten there i agree with that tell the i was listening to uh, a new pot and this is a little off tangent but i was listening to uh god i think it's called get raw talk with uh bradley martin are you familiar, familiar yeah, with Brad, bradley martin yeah and he was talking about how similar to what you said like people don't talk about their visions it just seems like they're almost just doing it for the money and the fame and the show or whatever but he was talking about how like i want to say cuz he's designing all these gyms and stuff with all this money that he's made and people will come up to him and tell him like like i didn't kill myself because i watched listened to your content and watched you do stuff like that and he was talking about how like how much it means to him and how like he went and spent 5 million dollars on a gym or whatever and it he could have spent less or whatever, but to be able to like bring his, like to help the people and stuff and give his vision and stuff like that. I feel like we're really in that same, like, obviously we don't have the money to throw out $5 million, but maybe someday that's why, um, and we'll talk about it later. I'm not going to break it right now, but you know, we're working with some really cool people to help people out, um, with our Turkey raffle this year. So no, absolutely. It's going to go above and beyond Turkey raffle. That's for sure. And, and so like, that's I why mean, it's, it's something I'm, I've been passionate about for years. I mean, what's, this is what the third or fourth year now. Yeah. It's 2023 already. It's crazy to think. I mean, yeah. but, uh, so that's why I would say like, like our vision, like what you're saying is along those lines of like, what we're doing is more than like, just to become famous. Like I, I could care, I could care less if no one ever knew who I was. But if we want to give back, if, if, if a hundred thousand people or even more would see Bull Mountain Brothers every day and it made their lives better for in some way, and they got to listen to our hunting stories and it brought back joy, you know, like, let's say they're a, an, a 70 year old man that can't hunt anymore, but they can listen to our stories and it brings back and floods memories and stuff like our, my mission is made in my opinion. Right. I, it, like I said, I just don't feel like you. Um, you hear that from these like hot, like famous influencers, you know, and it's by no means are we anywhere that, you know, we could be in five, 10 years where we want to be. I think the craziest thing of all is you go back and you listen to stories from like your father and my father and different old people like Warren and, uh, you hear the stories, you're like, God dang, how'd they get away with that? And in another 30 years, your guys as kids are going to be like, how the hell did my parents get away with hunting up in that place? You know, it's going to be the same thing because the land's getting closed in more and more. I mean, hunting is getting to be a rich man's sport. Yeah, I mean, we've it really heard. is. 
but the advantages we have that might not be here might be different in 30 years. And we might be the guy on our rocker going, holy cow, you know, remember, then you listen to an old podcast. I mean, it, it's pretty cool that you can go back someday, 30, 40, 50 years and listen to this podcast and watch it and see it. I mean, it's that, that, that's my circle, I guess that that's my vision on it is laying in your deathbed and you're on the TV, you know, or whatever yeah. the hell it is by that time, you know, but no, I agree. Com- I agree wholeheartedly. And to go along with what you're saying, I like, we've heard it from other guests and stuff on our podcast too. Like, you know, 30, 40 years ago, guys didn't really have to ask permission to go hunt places. They were just, mm-hmm. it was allowed everywhere. And you make a great point where, you know, maybe in 30 years, and I would hate to say that, but it's the way things are seeming to going unless we can, as a community, stand behind keeping public access open and, you know, being good influence on on landowners that give permission. Uh, you're right. It, the circle does get smaller and smaller every year. Yeah. And it's that like give back in the voice. I mean, we are we are the voice of our generation right now. Yeah. You know, my, my generation is about gone. You know, you guys are the voice of what's coming up. Matt is, a, um, a, he is different generation than us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I mean, even at this point, as few listeners, as many followers as we have, Bull Mountain Brothers is bigger than us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why um, it's really fun to do. I don't know anywhere else that has a four host cod podcast. I mean. Uh, the Nelk, the most popular in the world, they have like three guys and I don't even know if they count those three guys as like, like the host of the Bull Mountain Brothers podcast is Bull Mountain Brothers, right? And that's what's cool in my opinion. Um, but I would like to touch on, you know, Sean was talking about how, um, this is kind of blown up and, uh, gone to a point where, uh, like it's it's more than something he could have ever imagined, and now he's putting effort into it. And, and his viewing was like, how far could a podcast go? And I think that over this month that we've taken off, we've gotten to this point where, like, this isn't just a podcast anymore. This is a show. I mean, look at us right now. Like we're looking on TV, watching ourselves, and, and you know, obviously. The season premiere is so much different than every other episode. I mean, everything's gonna have fun stuff. It's gonna have crazy stuff. It's gonna have all these ideas that have popped into our head that's going to be so much different than even we were last year. And this is a little more uh, reserved and uh, sentimental, I guess. But um, like, this is so much more than a podcast now. Like, I've thought even about how what if we could even do these podcasts and show clips from hunting for our listeners and stuff like that from in here. It's it's. It's so much more than just an audio clip anymore. Well, that's the funny thing. I think I said it five months ago when I said nothing would be cooler than being able to tell our stories and have the viewers see the pictures and the landscape we were in or even a short video of it compared to where we're at. Not, I mean, we're there. I mean, we've we've came so far. Oh, yeah. With this... We haven't mentioned it yet, but we the last month has been spent um, doing improvements on the podcast, and now we have a video switcher, which I'm sure you guys have been seeing so far in this video. 
And if you're listening, go check out our YouTube. But uh, <laughs> also, Sean just ghosted out of the room. <laughs> Don't worry about that. We're, we're... <laughs> Sean, <laughs> Sean, where are you at, buddy? <laughs> but uh, now we have the ability. Whoever's talking, you guys will get a better view. It'll be more engaged with the person who's talking. Uh, we can go straight to the TV and Sean's computer so you can show you guys pictures and we can watch videos and comment on news and be able to pull it up for you guys. So we're 100% in our facts from what we can gather on our search. And you guys can actually see what we're talking about instead of before <laughs> when, uh, you know, we just kind of half-assed it. and Yeah, I mean... Uh it's cool. It's fun to be. It's fun to be in this situation. I mean, none of us really plan on being like staged. I mean, actors. I mean, where we're. I don't know. We're not really acting. We're still like we're we're newscasting in a way, which is also telling stories and and whatnot. But uh, no, you're right, Rams. I mean, uh, well, well, I mean, when I came back from California, I never expected to see what we got going on right now. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, I, I just. I, I mean, seriously, I came back. My whole basement was destroyed. A studio went up, and uh, now to look around, three cameras, a TV, horns, seats, desk. I mean, it's just, it's 27,000 cables going everywhere. The set's beautiful, man. I'm loving it. I'm like, you know, well, there's well, going to be. Well, some- well, I said it before. I love this as a man cave. This is a man cave. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we have some more. I think we need more art in here. We got some cool. Uh, get episode thirty. Oh, I wish I knew about the top of my head. Thirty something. The Kevin episode. The Kevin Bocci episode. Kevin hooked us up with some awesome studio posters. Um, we've got some like old school Remington posters. I wish we could show you guys. This well, right now. okay. On that note, we have a fourth camera that we do not have today that we're going to hook up to Sean's webcam. So if we're talking about something and someone's in a different part of the room, we'll be able to kind of pan around and you'll be able to see. Yeah. So we got some Fred Bear stuff from like the seventies. We got what is that one over there in the corner? Federal, Federal. high power shell. You must yeah. not have oh, your contacts a, in. I have no glass. I'm going blind as a bat right now. <laughs> we have a, we have a pretty sweet uh, Fred Bear uh, sign. moose. It's even signed, signed by it's the a, Fred Bear a, himself. It is a nice bull moose. Um, have a. Uh, I found the Ted Nugent picture, the signed Ted Nugent one. Oh, really? I didn't even know we had that. Well, um, yeah, but we got you know, one of those two. You know, it's kind of crazy because, like, I have a picture. It's a still right now on my computer that is basically this had to have been. <sighs> it was last January, probably. It had to have been like the moment that we actually got a sturdy table. <laughs> and, a, and a backdrop set up. I mean, it is, like, just the difference that, like, I mean, seriously, like, we had the whitetail and the and the antelope were, it. were, were up there. You know, that we kind of had this plan in our head for what we wanted for um, the backdrop. We did it. You know, things like that. Like, the mixer that we have there, which is actually the same mixer we have now, but... That upgrade at that time, that was like the coolest thing to us. That was we're huge. Like, we're like, are you kidding me? Like, the, what? We made it. What are, yeah. <laughs> what are the limits that we have on this? And it, it, it was crazy. And it's just funny that I felt like when we made that connection with Matt and locked down this location, 
that everybody was like, holy shit, like we're there. I've never even really told the story. Like I know we've like touched about it on the season finale episode a little bit, um, but like I've never really talked about how the studio really became a thing. Um, and I guess I'll just kind of, I'll reveal it here. Um, and this actually brings in the fact of like really how you kind of came into, I mean, we talked about like, Oh, Matt came in at this point or whatever, but the real story here was, uh, I don't know, Matt and I, I mean, we talk on the phone probably almost daily just because I work for him on one thing and we, I'm more friends what happens. And we were talking one day and I was talking about the podcast and he just asked me how it was going and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, it's going great. And I just said, you know, just asking him business advice. I was like, realistically, like, what would you spend on a studio um, for us to like rent from somewhere? And because I was looking, I remember looking at like Craigslist and stuff. And there was, I mean, there was decent studios. It was, that, it was kind of ridiculous, though, a lot of it. I mean, really, at that point, is I mean, now it's not as ridiculous to look at something like that. But like back then was uh, we had no super money. ambitious. No money. Yeah. Zero dollars. <laughs> we had not sold. We haven't had one piece of merchandise or anything. That would have been all out of pocket. And it was just me kicking tires, right? Just to see like what that kind of thing would entail because I felt bad. Well, your exact thing was is because we used to have an office that wasn't our home that I rented on Broadwater. And that's where that conversation came up. Right. And I was like... <laughs> You know, I, I just felt bad that Sean had to drive to our old studio. Like, it's, I mean, that's an hour round trip, really. And so we were, I mean, how many episodes in were we? Like four, three or four at that point? Yeah. Not very many. And I was telling him, I was like, what, what do you think it, like, what would you spend for like a space like that? And we kind of him hot a little bit. And he's like, why don't you just build one in my basement? <laughs> just, I was just like, uh, that's a crazy offer, but I guess I'll, I mean, like, cause I mean, even if you're friends with somebody, like, that's just so like, um, you don't want to intrude. No, I don't want to like, you know, as good of friends as we are and like we go hunting and, you know, had a working relationship and I've worked on their stuff for so long that we've known each other for a while. You don't really know, like, like you can't come into my life and know like what Ramsey and I's home life is like, you have yeah. no idea. Or like my parents, like I have no idea what you and your, you and your kids or anything. And for you to be like, just come on here. It's like, holy cow. Like that's amazing offer. Let me just run it by the boys. And I remember Sean's like, yep, let's do it. Because, <laughs> uh, well, right, I think the I biggest the biggest thing that helps with our location here is it's a basement that we don't use. I mean, we're I'm very seldom down here, you know, before we put the studio in. Yeah, and it's like, I, I know it was exciting for Sean because, like, he's a, I mean, his main job every day is building stuff. Like, he's a contractor. And I think that that wasn't, was that kind of like a, thing that enticed you because you could like build your own thing out of your own brain yeah i mean it was like actually i remember like it was yesterday the exact words that matt said to us when we were because we called matt after recording an episode at the old studio and we're basically like we weren't sure because i remember the conversation the three of us had was like well like what does he mean like build like are we just like gonna slap a desk in a corner and like do something or which is i guess kind of what we did anyway but <laughs> times a million but i was like 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 what does he expect you know like i don't want to i don't want to step on matt's toes and be like you know what what doesn't he want us to do and the thing that i remember that he said after he goes just build it in my basement he goes 
we asked him something like, basically, you know, what, I mean, what do you want us to do? And he goes, I don't fucking care. It's your house now, too. And that's the exact words that he said. And so at that point, we were like freaking clogs in our brain were just turning. You guys haven't even seen the room at that point, have you? No. Um, I mean, the one time I was down here, the one time was when we got that old freezer out of here for your dad. That's right. It's the only time I've been down here. I, I mean, I couldn't remember at that point. I mean, that was probably a year ago, but a year ago at that time. And uh, so, yeah, Matt's like, do it in the basement. And we just went with it. We went and threw some odd money on a credit card and ripped it. And here it is. And we took it, took a year to gain the funds and gain the, uh, the ideas to turn it into what it is now. And now, I mean, it's a, uh, it's well, like, it's like a, it's well, like a well, well do you guys think it's better? Uh, like, I'm glad we didn't have a ton of money back then to really build something because I think over the last year we've been doing the studio, mostly you guys. I think your visions went a little bit more and more, you know what I mean? Than if you would have had, say, 50 grand. So we got 50 grand, let's go build a studio. I think, I don't think it would be as sentimental as this is now. No, there was, I mean, I hard, really don't. Hard work's gone into this, really. I mean, and, and the other thing I would say on that is where we were at that point, I don't think we would have gotten the right stuff. Whereas now we've had all this time to sit down and be like, okay, we need exactly this to do exactly this that we want to do. Every piece in this room has been carefully thought out and planned to where it suits our best needs. Like you said, if we'd have been just handed $50,000, we just went on a spending spree and. Right. And it won't be the baby we have now. I don't think. No. And that, like that was. That was definitely a bonus because I remember like after we had this conversation with Matt and we're like, yeah, we can do this. And Riley's like, looks directly at me and goes, how much is it going to cost? And I was like, you know, it, it, it was kind of like one of those things. I was like, man, we could spend freaking so much money if we wanted to. And it was like at that time, it was like, let's just get the bones done. You know what I mean? It was like, let's get some because this room was just concrete walls that's all it was and it was like easy let's just get concrete walls concrete floor and just rafters no yeah the nothing was finished down here and i was like well let's just get walls framed let's just get sheetrock on the walls finished and then let's go from there we didn't exactly have like an actual vision of what this portion this corner of the studio was going to be at that time and we we you know we had spoke of like oh what if we did this blah, blah blah but it was like let's just get the room finished and then figure out this whole backdrop was a random thought completely when we started framing these walls we were like and i think a lot of it was because uh we didn't have enough studs you know what i mean or something like that mm-hmm. and it was like well let's just like like let's just build a backdrop and riley had a lot of like optimism and knowledge in it because he you know he watches a lot of podcasts and like looks at a lot of studios and things and he's like you know these people don't have this like they don't use that blah 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 and i feel like that was like a lot of the momentum that we had going into um the design of the studio well and i do remember there was a time where um we were either going to have it like in the middle of the room or like on this wall 
like on that wall and it turned out to be like the only thing that would make any logical sense was to stick it in this corner and design it like you know every time you go out to the farm or go to ranch to hunt or even like public land cabins and stuff like this is the kind of stuff you see i think back to pictures uh i've seen from like the 1920s of like some some cabins and stuff of people that i know and there's like this kind of look on the outside of a cabin whether it's horns deadheads hung on the on the side or like 10 coyotes tanned and hung on the side and that that was like my what i had a vision and like between the three or four of us we were able to like combine that into what it is now and uh, i think it looks professional i think it looks nice and appealing to the eyes and sean so badly wants to paint mountains on this black streak behind us uh we'll see if that happens or not but and we've always had the idea of like over time like just accumulating you know like a fishing pole might appear up on the wall or like a tr like an old trap or you know merchandise will hang you know even at the table and i wish we could get a, a really good shot of the front but another cool thing we did was ramsey this is so funny how all this ties together because we were out ripping these boards off of these old barns um on this ranch that we hunt they because they were going to get rid of them anyways and so that was the other thing sean was we were trying to see how much money we could save and so we saved all this money by doing all this old barn wood that was just given to us but we the, the stipulation was we had to go rip it off the barn ourselves and it wasn't that easy because it's brittle and if you didn't do it the right way it would shatter and Ramsey was like shuffling around this barn and he like stumbles across this like cloth. I mean, how would you explain it? Like it was like a, like a woven bag that you found Which, and there was a big saw blade in it. No, it was in a, a, a bike tire. Oh yeah. It was like something random. It was like one of those, like a legit barn find, like which a lot of people wouldn't give a shit about it, but it was this big, huge saw blade. Like, I don't know. What would you say? It's, it's 30, what? 36. Well, we can pan in on it at the end of the show and show. Yeah, we'll definitely show up. But uh, we had this the whole time, and this idea was always in our head, but we didn't know how to execute it without, again, spending the least amount of money that we could. And coincidentally, out of like, this is just random situations that happen all the time. Matt's daughter's uh, boyfriend is like a laser cutter, and we did some swapping and trading with merchandise to somehow get like our logo cut into the saw blade. And done a phenomenal job. It looks great. It looks awesome. And uh, <coughs> I don't know, man. We look. We could be like the, the the hunting out, like the outdoor podcast news channel with how like our studio is set up right now. It's, it's just so crazy because, like you said, we literally, everything we did in here was like bargains almost. Oh, yeah. It's like, almost like not, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't for the ranch you guys hunt on, we won't have the wood. Yeah. You know? Or the saw blade, and it's just crazy on how everything isn't what you know, it's who you know. Or yeah, and it all ties in with like what we talk about. Like you know, a lot of people they get we've 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 beat this like a dead horse, but and in, in our experience, you know, if you just go up and like randomly drive up to someone's house and be like, "Hey, can I hunt in your place?" Like a lot of times, that's like a turnoff. You know what I mean? And for Ramsey and I, what we've seen in the past, and the four of us in this room. If you just treat people good, uh, eventually, like the, it comes back, and you know we've developed this really good relationship to where they're just like, yeah, I mean, come on out and and do that. And I, I just, I think I stand behind the things. If you're just good to people, 
they'll be good to you. Yeah, I think a lot of it too, though, is like we took a lot of mental care in what this studio looked like. Like it was, it was definitely, it was important. What was the one thing the other day that you were just like, why the hell didn't we do this? This makes me so mad. The, um, the electrical outlets. Yes. Over where the big yes, buck and the is. lighting oh. and like, like going back, like obviously we had, uh, Riley's friend who is an electrician. Uh, <laughs> Another random, like, yes, that help. Cause I'm a contractor, you know, I, I build the house. I don't do the plumbing, electrical, or HVAC. I don't do any of that. Like, I, if I had my own place, I would do it, and it would be probably not very well done. But that was so nice to get him to come in here and just be able to talk us through that kind of stuff. And now that we're here, it's like we're literally looking for outlets everywhere with the amount of cords that we have in this freaking place now because of the equipment that we run now, you know, season two. And, and the like, worst part is his friend the entire time was like, you guys sure you don't want any more outlets? <laughs> oh, no, that's plenty. Well, yeah. there's it like was the same way at camp when we built camp. I mean, we done three lights and four outlets. And like, this is a lot. And the guy's like. Man, you guys need one like every four foot, and we're like, what the? We're not plugging nothing in. Now we're like, you got your CPAP, and we got all this stuff, and it's like we got extension cords ran across here and ran across there. And uh, at the end of the day, it's just I don't think you can ever have enough. You know, any which I can't believe I did this because I know this. I've learned this like a golden rule. It's all about vacuum cords is where you put outlets. It is. So it's like every six feet, or it's six. It's either six or eight. Feet is that the generics in a room? A yeah, you want you want an outlet because it's a it's a vacuum thing. That's what the majority of it is. Really? And I think we'd hit that with what we have. I just don't think. We'd. No, but the problem with us is, is it's not. We're not plugging in freaking vacuums. <laughs> we do though. I mean, we, we clean we up got, in here. We got a shot back in here right now, but uh, <laughs> we're plugging in. I wish like we should we should do that as like a TikTok or like a reel or something. Just to show, I mean, I'm sure we're not even really near like a like a news stu- studio. Yeah, like right? a glass door. Yeah, like, but like yeah. you look at the amount, like we have cords ran. I mean, it is insane. And it's like we have a freaking 952 prong power strip under Ramsey right now. Yeah, that yeah. has like two spaces left. And like the power the, the power strip on steroids. Yeah, that I look back on a lot is my choice and where I've sat. Because awful for you, literally a crossbar right here, and I am by far the tallest person in this room. And I was talking to Sean the other day. I was like, "Hey, can we move this?" He's like, "No, that's literally the whole structure of the table." I was like, yeah, okay. "Well, the unfortunate thing is, like, you had to be there based off of like the tech, like the technical equipment that you use." Yes, and don't Ra- know if Ramsey that was a- like come season two. Ramsey has definitely taken like. If he had, he needs five hands. Like he is, he's got like, if you guys can't see it right now, but over here, there's another table below Ramsey that has the audio mixer that controls like how we get Spotify and Apple music podcast out. And like everything's tied together in this room now, which is well beyond our knowledge up until about probably two and a half hours ago. But it's like, (laughs) still learning, still don't know anything. But it's just funny. It's like every, like literally, they're the cords and plugins, and it's like, holy shit, there's a lot. And just so everybody knows, um, 
that's a decoy computer that Matt has. <laughs> Why are you calling him out right now? It's on though. Mine's essentially. I mean, I haven't done anything on mine tonight. I mean, in a normal setting, uh, <laughs> we're gonna use the laptops to uh, be on task and that. But tonight was really a free for all. Does it make us blue collar guys any more like? Closer to white color, having these laptops on our podcast. <laughs> it's the Alcorn. It, it just it made me chuckle when all three of us had our laptops and we we're all doing it stuff. And I look over at Matt and he's just. No, we had the clock. Like, he had the clock. He's a CB I boy. Have, he does. I got have, ten minutes clock. and eighteen seconds. Yeah, we have a we have a time clock for a couple of our cameras. Yeah, for when we go to break now. Yeah, but it's it's just it, it is shocking to me that. The hurdles that we have, the learning beat, curve is. I mean, steep. seriously, like the freaking equipment that is in here is shocking. So, are you gonna when we uh, go to the cabin and go do some some podcasting? Are you ever gonna move any of these cords ever? No, again? never. These cords are staying here. We we are <laughs> financing, not financing. That's <laughs> we'll get a loan on more <laughs> cords. No, we are we are coming to the means of being able to be a mobile podcast. And I, it's going to be. We have great. to be mobile. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, well I've, there I, is something I got in the books on the way. I have so much like ambition towards doing like remote podcasts. Like, I, I have this vision where there's four of us sitting around Ramsey's flat bottom boat podcasting. And then all of a sudden, Sean just like hooks onto a fish. Right? Oh, I got a fish. <laughs> and, and I just think that'd be the coolest thing ever. Or like, you know, something similar to that somewhere else. Uh, but I guess uh, we're going to get into some some more stuff when we get back from break to end this little portion of the studio talk and stuff like that because we don't want to bore you guys with talking about this all the time. This is probably the last time we're going to bring it up because besides a couple of nooks and crannies like finishing the window and uh, a couple of nooks and little knickknacks, uh, this studio is complete. So we really have no reason to ever bring up. The person up- we need to thank the most for the studio is Amy. Yeah. For letting this happen. Yeah. Mama of the house has to always be happy. And uh, for her to let us do something like this, because I mean, it's it does as much as a person could say like, oh, just come on in, whatever. Like it does disrupt things in a way because because we can't realistically record on the same night every night. And that is a little frustrating because we have to be like, hey, we're going to be a Tuesday this week or, oh, we have to all of a sudden switch to like a Friday. And she's been very lenient and very cool about it. And like that's where I was going to end this last little bit before we go to break is, and I know all the, all these people will be okay with me saying their name, but I'd like to thank all the people that got us to like, that helped us on the studio and got us this point. And like Matt said, starting with Amy, I mean, really Amy and Matt, I mean, they're the homeowners to allow this to happen, to be here. Um, but I mean, think of the people that got us here. Um, you know, you just talked about my buddy, Seth. Thanks Seth for the work, the electrical work. I mean, it, I, we couldn't have, we couldn't have done this. Um, the people that helped to work on the studio, Sven, Josh, uh, Dylan, Garrett, Garrett, um, all you guys, man, we couldn't be here without you. I mean, we, we talk about how much work we put into it, but there was a lot of people outside of, out of us to get here to be. And, I, and it's funny to be so like, Oh, this is so amazing when we're really not like giant, like we're not up there with the top tops guys yet goals we're gonna get there but to be where we're at now we couldn't do it without those people jonathan i mean to let us go out there and and pull some wood uh i mean all these people that that helped us get here we were very thankful and uh 
Hopefully we can give back someday. But, uh, yeah, sorry. Got a little sentimental there. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to go to break, and when we get back, we're going we're gonna to talk about some fun stuff. We're going to get away from the, the, the year in review sentimental stuff and talk about what we've been up to and what's, what's coming along. So we'll be right back. I just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk to you about one of our sponsors, F&H Contracting and Fence, located in Billings, Montana. If you're looking to spruce up your yard or want a little more privacy for them summer backyard barbecues, or maybe you just need part of your fence repaired, contact our friends at F&H Contracting and Fence by texting 406-661-7484. From front yards to farmyards and even chain link to vinyl, they've got you covered. Now back to the action. All right, folks, welcome back. We're going to pick up where we left off. Did I say that? Sorry, what? Did I, did I have a mumble there? Pick up. Pick up. <laughs> We're going to pick up where we left off at our season finale in December. And what I, what I mean there is where we had some heavy conversation about getting at least one non-waterfowl hunter in the group to go waterfowl hunting. And we made it happen. And we had a great time. Phenomenal time. We, uh, well, I'm going to start the story by talking about how Ramsey and I and Josh, everyone knows Josh, uh, decided to go hunt this property and we hunted the water side of it. And this was, if you know anything about, if you live in Montana or we're in like the West, Northwestern, I don't know, what, what are we in the United States? Like Central? Western? Northwest. <laughs> no, no, Northwest. Uh, if you were in this region during a certain time in December, it was like negative 10 or worse for like three weeks. It was horrible. Well, we ended up hitting Josh Ramsey and I hitting that water side. It was, it's basically the river goes by fields. It's like the whole valley, like that whole valley of Montana. Um, that's like a waterfowl flyway. Um, it's all, if you're going to hunt it, you're either going to hunt the river it's sides channels or fields along the river. That's where all the birds hang out. And we were lucky to be able to hunt the fields next to the river as long as well as small channels. Well, we found a channel and we did some, uh, I, I had been there before obviously, but I, uh, we ended up Josh and I sitting down and using Onyx to find points where we thought would be good to set up decoys. And so we ended up setting two spreads, uh, 12 decoys each on different areas. And it was a little hard going at first, but we, we limited out um, on greenheads. It was a phenomenal day. We actually had a TikTok, if you go look back at like December something, where there's just hordes of mallards flying by. And uh, it worked out good. We had fun then. And we decided, you know, you know, this is you know, Matt's home basically. And we said, Matt, dude, look how good it was. Let's go on it. Like, let's go like come hunting this year for once. And so he's like, yeah, we'll do it. And what I talk about the weather thing, what ended up happening is we hunted like two days before the weather hit, the weather hits it's negative degree for like four days, completely freezes the river, which I'm a young person. And I also haven't spent as much time on the upper or will this be the lower end of that? The river? lower end. The lower end of this river um, than the higher end. And so I've never seen it freeze, which was crazy to me. And of course I know you have, but froze everything and then flooded everything. The channel that we were hunting in was maybe like in some spots it was an inch deep. And in some spots it was like maybe knee deep, maybe a little deeper in some places. 
to when it flooded, it was probably eight to 10 feet deep and frozen. So when we pull in that morning to see if it was to, you know, to go hunt the channel, uh, we get there with Matt and, uh, completely frozen <laughs> and we're like, shit, do we haul ass over to his dad's place and hunt this one spot? That's very hit or miss. Um, or since I brought these goose decoys, do we set up on the field? We have no idea. There's no birds flying. And so we end up, uh, setting up on the field. We had, I don't know, a pretty decent spread of goose decoys. And we took Ramsey and I, as much waterfowl hunting as we do, we do all of our like duck stuff, um, on the water. So we have no standing duck decoys. So we ended up just taking our floaters and like shoving them in the snow in the field and at first the the ducks they i don't know why but they would like circle and they would come into like 30 feet and then just zoom out it wasn't like they were flaring they were just like zoom out and then but all the geese would flare so we pulled all the duck decoys and i mean like the goose hunting was phenomenal it was just every i pulled almost every group that we saw i was pulling in what you just throw an eye in there i'm the goose caller bro were you goose calling no dude it was a spread it was a spread that Ramsey set up, um, and but the ducks wouldn't commit. So Matt actually found this like little pot, like spring-fed pot on the river, and the ducks were landing over there. So he went and hunted the ducks for a while. Um, I think him and Ramsey and, uh, and what was actually cool is we had Chad that was on the podcast, one of the Chads, Chad Hoffman. It was like his first time really doing that kind. First of, time ever. Yeah. But it wasn't like, uh, he said he had been one other time, but it wasn't like under decoys and stuff like that. No, he just walked up Duck Creek. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it was cool for him. He had a blast. Like he was <laughs> excited the whole time. He's just like, this is what this is like. Like this is so like, a, like you don't think you get adrenaline rush from shooting birds. And uh, so that was cool to see, like to have him have that much enjoyment. Um, and so there was four or five of us. I can't remember, but um we got to a point where Matt came back and the ducks all of a sudden were just starting to commit to the decoys. And then it really got awesome. Going from first thing in the morning to, uh, not seeing very many birds or whatever. And then I don't know, it was what, like eight o'clock. Well, well, it was like eight thirty when the first group came in. Yeah. I forgot to leave. I, I left that out. Yeah. Like it was nothing. And then all of a sudden it was like hordes and hordes Be, because the two days before that i called and talked to the owner's son he's like yeah there hasn't been much for ducks down here the river's frozen and uh we're like well we'll go down there and see what we can do you do think we were this. just lucky on that day that we chose because it got it was the first warm day it, it was the first warm day because then we came down again the next day and the river was opening but it was three days later when the water finally opened all the way up oh crazy so yeah, I mean, hard. so so what was uh would you would you keep doing it next year? Did you oh, have I, a good? I, I mean, Chad wanted to go back out. I went back out twice after we went. Yeah, that's awesome. You did more. You ended up doing more waterfowl hunting than Ramsey and I, who talked you into doing it, which is yeah. cool. Um, I hopefully for years to come, it's something that we can share. But um, yeah. when watching them come in, like it's been years. I mean, back when we hunted as a kid, I mean, you just you just jump shot. I mean, that's all dad would do. We'd check some traps, walk to the other side of the island, jump shoot some, and come back. And But watch them come, flare, coming in and their wings out, and they're just coming down. I, I mean, wow! I, I, I could actually see why it's people a get addicted it's to this. I, 
I, f I really have a problem because I feel like I would probably enjoy it, but I just have never. I have goose hunted it's one time in my life, and I have never in my life been in that experience with ducks. Ever. Like where they're coming to the deeks? No, never. Oh, it's, it's well, the most unreal experience ever. It could have been even more unreal if Matt, if we had another layout blind for Matt and there wasn't two other people. Because for us, to, if we would put the layouts out, we would have had birds landing on top of it, which was even more like. Well, well, you guys had birds like almost hitting the ground, so Chad could get a shot there. I watched yeah. that a couple of times. Like you guys would shoot earlier, but Ch Chad wasn't real hundred percent on the boy it. Boy needs to shoot a shotgun I, yeah. a little more. Can I ask you a serious question? Can you? I'm gonna ask Riley this. Can you give me your my, the thing that goes through your mind? with scouting for mule deer compared to um, having ducks do what you guys are talking about. Can you give me like the comparison, like um, adrenaline? I mean, do you mean like not scouting, but more or less like hunting for mule deer and like spotting and spotting them on the spotting scope and stuff. Cause that's, I would compare. Well, well I think I know a, what you're asking. That was a very, yeah, but the problem was that was a very like vague question for me because like I said, I don't have any experience with the duck stuff. So that was why like, okay. I basically, I didn't want to ask, um, about hunting mule deer because obviously it's a big game animal. It's, it's different, but okay. In that instance, give me the adrenaline. Like what is the difference? I, I got one for you. All right. So you're fishing really clear water. Okay. Right? And you can see the fish in there. And most of them aren't giving any, you know, they're not chasing your lure bait, whatever. And then finally you get that one that comes just straight after your lure, and it's following it in. And then right as soon as he hits it, like that adrenaline rush and build up that you know this fish is coming after it. That's as close as I can get for you. So essentially, like hand in hand, you're out. You have seen mule deer. You've passed up some bucks. And you see a shooter buck. That's the same kind of adrenaline you get when you see. No, no actually, uh, all honesty for me. It, it was probably more of like if you were mule deer hunting and you've seen a 200-inch mule deer that you haven't seen yet and it's coming at you and you're like, oh. It's the same thing when the ducks fly over you and these guys give it a hoot, doot, doot, a duck call. One more time. Doot, doot. <laughs> and all of a sudden they turn and they do a big circle over you and the second time they start coming down, they just drop. I mean, they're – up there probably 400 feet and next thing they're on the deck okay i i, I, I mean we, it's i know we talked to uh bruce about this but what is shooting height um so uh, i'm gonna say two things for you right now because i know you're gonna ask me that after we talk about chad so the first thing is you're asking me about like what i would compare it to that's another thing where like you, your individual experience for everybody is different because if you asked me 10 years ago the duck hunting adrenaline thing versus me now, it's way different. For me now, I treat duck and goose hunting just like I would treat uh, calling for elk or calling for turkey. Uh, the adrenaline rush that it gives me enjoyment, not enjoyment, but like the the thing outside of harvesting the meat that brings me enjoyment is being able to mono e mono primal instinct, 
trick that animal into thinking I'm that animal. And that's what really drives me like to be able to call geese and can, and trick them into coming into my spread. That's a bunch of plastic things brings so much more. Like it brings like a, I don't know, like a, a thing of uh, like accomplishment pride. It's the same as calling a bull elk in or calling a turkey in. Like they're all on that same for me, but for other people, like I know what he's talking about. Like, like just to be like, here they come. You know what I mean? And like to watch them just finally set into your set and to be able to make a ethical shot is all exciting. Okay. So take, this would be a good example for somebody like me. That's never really waterfowl. Take shooting a nice mature mule deer. The feeling you get when you get it to the truck and you've done your ethical job, that same feeling when you bring in your limit on birds, is it different or? It's more work. That's for damn sure. I mean, well, I mean, in retrospect, depends on where you the, shoot the, the deer, I guess. The coolest thing, I guess, between hunting deer and hunting geese or ducks, for me anyway, because, I mean, I, I was pretty much against it just because, I, I mean, I'm not going to go freeze my ass off to shoot a couple nasty freaking birds. I mean, that's really where I was at. But when you see that big buck, you get one shot, maybe two shots if you got to hit it the second time. With ducks, you just you got three shots. I mean, you got three shots to go, even on geese. So you get the first one, and you got two more shots after it. I mean, it's not like you just got one game game animal and you're done. But at the same and time, if you're if you're if you're if you're bad at it, you get to shoot five hundred times a day. <laughs> but like the, at the same time, though, like the limit goes, your limit that you have with that bird species is hand in hand with harvesting your one mule deer buck right um i I don't think so i I think that still harvesting a big game animal is far more superior and like absolutely um but it's it when you don't have that ability to do that anymore and this is what you have to and i think the other cool thing for me that was like um like matt had just talked about like his uh, initial opinion on birds was that they're just like nasty old things why do you want to shoot them um now as a group um I can show him like I I have a daily possession limit of geese that I take to this butcher in town and they make the best goose jerky out of it and he's like oh yeah like I see why you do it now and then he will do that and now we'll have like you know because we can only have so much that's not a lie that's a lie you can never have enough deer and elk jerky but like to have that different goose jerky and that's really good stuff now he has that option to take um but as far as when you talk about shooting distance, um, this was a unique situation for us too because <laughs> um, there was no cover, and I had no Ramsey and I are the only ones that had layout blinds. So historically speaking, in this region, and I've hunted many fields on different ranches and different public land on this valley, there's always some sort of irrigation ditch close to, or relatively close to an edge of a field and that's what we had here was there was like an old one that was dry and there was three trees three only three trees yeah only trees on this whole thing that we could sit in front of underneath and but what kind of limited us was they were like 40 yards from where you could realistically it wasn't the edge of the field um but where you wanted to set up where it would look good for the geese because i mean we've ramsey and i've had so many times we've done this that we know what like where they're like a good spot is going to look like. And so like our, 
our shot most of the time was 25 to 40 yards, which is 40 yards is long, right? That's a, you need to, cause I think you were going to ask too, like what, what point do you want to shoot the, the bird? And in this case, we were actually letting them land a lot because it was easier for the guys that have never shot before. Once they would land, we would kind of like make so, like make ourselves known, and then they would get back up. At that point, they're at their sl- they're at their slowest flying point. Their bodies opened up the biggest. Then you can make an ethical shot at forty, you know, thirty yards, um, which I would personally say is long. Some people shoot, I mean, unethically up to sixty yards, which is hard. Um, seventy yards even. Um, but yeah, we were at that twenty-five to forty-yard range. And you would have to let them land and then, like I said, get up. Or as they were landing this also, if you could, you know, convince and, them. And you're supposed to let them get up a little bit and then you shoot. I, yeah. I a gra- couple did decoys. <clears throat> ground sluicing is 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 relatively frowned upon. So, like I said, we try to get our guys to do um, where they're coming. And like I said, even if you're ground sluicing, you're not going to get, which I don't know, some people, it's, it's very controversial, but I my groups, I don't want them to do it. So what we do, like I said, um, when they're on the on the ground, their wings are closed and their their head's sticking up. So like your your shot clock, your shot window is so much smaller. I like it when they're coming to land and they're open like this, and they've got a whole breast exposed, and you can make that shot. And they're slow and wide open, so they're doing that as they're landing and as they're picking up. So that's what I'm trying to tell these guys when to shoot. So like even further on that, when they're coming in and starting to land their wings are cupped and they're not moving. There's a sweet spot where they get real close and they'll start flapping their wings even more and really sticking their breast out. That's when you want to get them. They're about two to three feet off the ground. And that's yeah. your most ethical, the slowest. Now, and ducks ducks are different too because they're coming in a little faster, but you're usually catching them right as they're starting to do their flutter thing at the end. And that's when they're essentially at almost zero miles per hour without you know, shooting them off the ground. Sure. Well, and the big thing, like for me, is I went in. Me, me. Chad bought two boxes. I'm like, I'm only gonna. Hell, I'm a pretty good shot. Uh, one box. I, I I went through my box, stole some from Chad, and I think I stole a half a box from Carson. And I, I mean, I I was out of ammo at the end. There. Well, it's a really amazing when you're shooting at that 25 to 40 yards. It, it doesn't take much for that goose to like shift or shift no, this way. No, no, it's not like a deer with a scope. I mean, you. Throw three shots. It took me all three shots to get my third shot where I needed to put it on the first shot. Yeah, you guys are, and you can watch the shot miss when yep. you miss too. Like it, it, you'd be like, "Oh, that's where I should aim." Like you know, they talk about leading and all this. I mean, you've been shooting shotguns your whole life. You understand it. You guys are crazy with the the shotgun stuff. I mean, it is, it is f- like freaking rocket science to me on accuracy on, on shock it's bad like well, it's, I, when you've been trap shooting for 17 years it's pretty natural you know literally the first time i ever shot a shotgun in my entire life was probably when i moved to billings really yeah. you should shoot was them it that time no i had gone out uh, a few times with my old roommate isaac i went out he had a like a remington 870 that i went out and i shot a couple times that was probably the that that was the first time that I shot a shotgun. And I mean, it. I don't get it. You're spraying bullets everywhere, and I still couldn't hit a broadside of a barn if I wanted to. Yeah, but you also have to understand, like, uh, we've done the science on it, too. Like, we've gone, not we have done the science, but we have gone through schooling on the science of patterns. And you would be surprised on different chokes. Do you understand what a choke is? 
in a shotgun? Yes. It's what controls. It what's controlled. Yes. It just turns into the front of the chair. Yeah. Some are fixed or whatever. Different sizes. It just controls the pattern of what comes out of the barrel. You'd be surprised on the like a modified choke, the the holes that are actually in that pattern. Because we talk about it for trap shooting, there there's legitimate holes that could be the size of a clay pigeon. You could be a hundred percent on, and and your shot could go right past it. And it happens a lot. That's why a lot of guys shoot tighter patterns. Like Ramsey and I, when we shoot, when we trap shoot, we shoot full chokes. It's like the t- one of the tighter patterns, tightest patterns. In, is, it might be the tightest, right? I shoot an extra full. Yeah, or an extra full. Um, like when we shoot ducks and stuff, I shoot. I won't shoot anything more than like heavy steel makes a a, a super tight pattern because it, I don't want to have wounded animals. You know what I'm saying? So I I talked to a guy that was. I mean, relative to me, he was a. Big waterfowl hunter that I knew growing up. Um, <coughs> bunches, which with beads is a problem in shells. Sometimes, like it's you don't obviously know what shells going to do, but like bunches, like when you shoot and it kind of just keeps one area of a shot spray, and it, that causes a lot of problems, right? Like because you're not as accurate as you could be with a full spread. Yeah, and then right? you get into like even more like science, like. Like if they're home reloads or if they're this brand or that brand or whatever. And historically speaking, Ramsey and I shoot the cheapest ones we can buy, except for this time we went with, um, we go for feet per second too. I like a quicker shot. Um, We were shooting about 1550s, I want to say. And I don't remember what we, what brand, they were States, I think. Herders. Herders. Um, That's what I bought. And uh, and we shoot double BB almost. And and a lot of people like, oh, you shoot ducks with double BB. Uh, they, 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 my ducks drop. And a lot of time, um, even though it's bigger shot, like it's less shot in my meat historically. So like when we're cleaning, it seems it's like bigger and it's easier to find. The The other nice thing about double BB is it stays faster for like carries its velocity. So like if let's say you wound the duck on the first shot and it's still flying away, you don't have to worry about your distance on the second shot. Whereas like a, a two or a four that extra 20 yards that that bird went and the time it takes the gun to cycle and you to get back on it, it might be just barely out of range and you're going to miss it again and have a wounded duck flying around. Yeah. And that's what we try to avoid the most. Cause there's nothing worse than like, like a wounded deer is one thing. Cause you could track blood, but deer don't fly away. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's the one thing we're trying to avoid. And that's why we, the only thing I can tell you is when you go out there, you're going to work an extra shift because it just got expensive. That's what I told these guys after the first day. I'm like, well, this just got super expensive because I was going to go buy everything. So I called Dave. I'm like, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going to go buy goose decoys. And he's like, well, I just found a box of geese decoys on the side of the road today. Cla- Classic Trapper Dave just found a brand yeah. new set of 12 de- decoys. 12 on the side standing of the road. decoys. He just found the whole box brand new, never even opened. Only Dave does that. Yeah. <laughs> they were Dakotas too. Yeah. Nice ones. Yeah. So, uh, I guess we won't bore you anymore with the the science of shotgun. As soon as you do it, dude, you, I, I promise you, I, I was the same attitude. You were probably even worse because I'm not going to go get cold. Granted, we did have a nice day. It was That a day was day. beautiful. It's like it is right now. It was weather like it is. It's warm. seasonally warm right the now. The day yeah. with Josh was not a warm day. That was freezing cold. That was Actually, that was the first day of negative temps. I lied. Mm-hmm. But it, the water was still open is what I was trying to say. Um. But uh, yeah, I mean, and like I said, the the cool thing, and I and I will say, there was a time in my waterfowl hunting, whatever, that I started to get away from waterfowl hunting because I I started to not like the taste of duck, and then when I got introduced to the jerky side of things, 
um that's when i was like dude i i eat these things all the time and that's like I, i'm glad to share that with other people because it's like water like i will tell you i tried to cook goose 75 different ways and it, i would have rather eaten a leather shoe in the oven off the ground until i discovered this goose jerky and i don't know what they do i don't know if it's just jerky is always going to be good i don't know but uh i love having it in the freezer now so that's why we at least try to do you know have enough minimum weight to take in for that and like i said cool to share well, i was super pissed because see he didn't inform me on the jerky thing until we were cleaning because i didn't shoot two of my geese yeah we didn't like we didn't uh we didn't limit out completely um on the geese so but then he's like oh, i would have shot three more i would have stayed here another <laughs> hour and i was like well we can we can go out again and he ended up going out again but uh so yeah that's the i want to share that little story so we had a little bit of hunting something on the podcast um, we're going to end things with talking about quite possibly our, it's like our bread and butter. This is something that's going to have, can you believe this is going to be our second annual of this thing? We talked about how cool it is to have our second season of the podcast when we have a second annual event. And the funny thing is, is last year, the first day where we were doing the first annual event, this guy's like, I don't know if we're going to have a second one or not. <laughs> And you weren't really into it, remember? Well, and you were into it, but you weren't loving it. Because we had a bad, not a bad, but it was, it, we found a hard time selling the tickets. And I think it was our approach. And then we learned, like, kind of like what we should do instead. And no, 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 I'll give you that. I'm, I'm with you there. And like, now that we have you here who, like, I mean, you'll walk up to anybody and do anything. Like, you're not, like, we were a little shy. Like, not going to be, not going to lie. And, uh, so, uh, we we kept going on it and we're going to do it again it's uh the second annual turkey hunt is back um this year we have a lot of crazy uh cool things to go along with it i guess i'll just talk about the bread and butter of what it is this year and i'm gonna sh sean's gonna share some stuff matt's gonna share some stuff and uh yeah let's just talk all about it ramsey can share some stuff um so last year was, uh, I mean, Matt talking about us not going to do it again, kind of ended right at the, as we were driving home from the turkey hunt, we're like, wow, that was an absolute blast. I mean, I haven't had more fun with a group of guys in a long time. Do you think that the actual turkey hunt itself, like, made us want to do it again more than, like, before we went on the hunt? I think a lot of our, like... Our mentality, like going into, it was kind of like, what, what do we expect? You know, and it was it was tough, but like after we got there, and like that was <coughs> right at our like peak BMB like filming, and it was it was. I think that got us more into yeah filming I like that. that. Well, <laughs> hold on. We didn't even get to talk about the fact that Matt got a brand new camera. That we got to use on the waterfowl hunt, and we had some sweet film. He really just wants to talk about this waterfowl hunt. No, no, no! It was literally like I can't believe we left that out. We have this like badass like hunt like. No, we did totally forget about that. And and now we're gonna have it for. I mean, we're we're gonna probably film the turkey hunt, but that's not a highlight of it this year. The highlight of the turkey hunt is still to give back to the to you guys to give back to the audience and the people that listen to the podcast and support us, this is our way of giving back. 
And this year, we're going to be able to give back even more, which is so important to us because this year we are teaming up. Um, I don't know if we're teaming up or more just like we're partnering. We're, with, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Starlight Foundation, uh, which is a program. Uh, why don't you explain it to us for yeah. Sean? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have been in contact with uh, Starlight Foundation, which is uh, was started by uh, Mike and Cheryl. Um, they're uh, basically a foundation that they help wounded veterans. And, you know, it's, it's a big, it's a huge thing in the world that we live in. And it's a, it's a massive impact that happens. And basically they, they've been in operation for 11 years and they have done tremendous things. They have gone and done, they've built uh, schools and hospitals in, in third world countries. They have, I mean, they've just done massive things and they take, um, veterans that are wounded and they just, they make hunt, like they bring them hunting and they, they, they do guided hunts. They do all the, all sorts of different things. Um, it's, they started, I, I'm pretty like talking to them. They started in the panhandle of Texas and they had some land down there that they would, yeah, they're hunting whitetail, right? Yeah. And they would, they would basically do guided hunts down there. And just the impact and the and the stuff they're doing, they've helped so many people just have in, in be able to enjoy the outdoors. And realistically, like the main reason that we uh, you know got involved with um, a nonprofit like that was uh, two leggings with uh, Matt and Dave. They they have done. Um, You've essentially partnered up with them in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, we've done wounded warrior hunts. For wounded veterans, uh, we've done an elk hunt. Uh, we will be doing some upcoming hunts with them in the future here, um, especially with BNB. Um, it was a great experience. It was uh, without those guys defending our freedom, we won't be doing what we're doing now. It's the least we can do. And uh, to bring someone out that never thought they'd go on an elk hunt ever in their life and see the smile on their face. It's uh, something that touches you in the heart that you just, you can't explain. Well, that was a big part of it, right? Because we talked about, Sean just mentioned how their big thing is they send uh, guys, uh, wounded vets on hunts. Well, in your experience, what they're able to do is allow the ability for them to do that hunt is what you're Absolutely. just saying. Like whether yep. they need special wheelchair care or special this and that to be able to do something that, you know, that they couldn't do on their own at home. Like, you know, especially like I said, if they're combined confined to a wheelchair, then a sep you know, a special thing is made yep. to where they can go on a special hunt and do something that they love. And um from what we read and what we've been told, like these guys are really like really just a, a wonderful experience for them. And yeah. And, and for sure, because like in talking with uh, Mike and Cheryl about um, the Starlight Foundation, like they they were um, their entire lively careers were built around the public schools. Like they were like Cheryl was a teacher and uh, Mike was a superintendent, like their yeah. entire lives was giving back. And this is just something that they they basically created to do more. And um you, you know, like when we we had talks about it, like, are we going to do an, a second annual turkey hunt? Things like that. And like we started 
you know, developing what we wanted to do with it, how we wanted to change it, if we were going to do it or not. And then when uh, we kind of had that talk about partnering with Starlight, it was like, it was a huge, like, I was totally for it because, like, my wife's family, majority of them are all veterans. And it's a huge impact. And it's, I mean, I couldn't be happier to be involved with a foundation like this. Well, and it's a foundation that, yeah, Mike and Cheryl that, that do so much. And then you have Jim Wininski, who actually came out with the Hunter. He drove him up here on his dime, took care of everything. I mean, all of his needs that he needed that we didn't know about that, that we found out when the, when they got here. But I mean, the amount of time them guys spend on their own time and their own money to do this is just unbelievable. It's, it's something that it's giving back, but you got to commend them. I mean, there, there's so much behind the scenes that we don't see. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, <clears throat> I think it's it's it fits our mission. It fits our what we do to be able to send someone on a hunt to experience the things that we literally just talked about at the beginning of this episode. Those amazing things, and so it makes our hearts happy to know that our money would be going towards that. And so that's why we decided to take a portion of these proceeds that we will get from the turkey hunt this year and donate it so someone can go on a hunt this year. And uh, we could, I guess, we couldn't be any more happy. So uh, that's something cool. And so we really hope that we can raise as much money as we can. Because the more money that we can do on the raffle hunt, the more money we can send towards the Starlight. And uh, we'll have their website linked on our website and our social medias when we post uh, the advertisement for the podcast, which I believe is going to come out. Um, so this podcast will be coming out on the twentieth. Um, I'm pretty sure that's when we're going to drop the turkey hunt as well. So you'll be hearing about it on the podcast and seeing it on social media the same day. And tickets will be available starting that day. Yes. And did we want to talk about the tickets? Yeah, all? let's go ahead. Um, uh, we're doing it a little different this year than last year. For sure. It's um, it's definitely a big. I, I, I honestly think it's going to be more of a uh, you and your best friend or your father or whatever. I think it's going to be. It's something I, I'm proud to present to the public. Yeah. What, Ramsey, why don't you run through all the details of like what essentially is going on for the second annual turkey hunt, like what it all entails, What's what different? it costs, what everything else. So last year, what did we do? Five five tickets for, no, four tickets for 100 bucks. No, no, it was $25 a ticket or five for 100 For one five individual for, person right, right, to come right. on. For one individual person. So for three years. Kind of going with the things that we've talked about before is it's it's so much better to share your hunting experiences with your best friend, brother, mother, father, sister, yeah. father, whatever. And so this year, $40 a ticket, three for 100 and the ticket is for you and the person of your choosing to go with you. Now, that person can hunt. They don't have to. That's up to you. The ticket is for two people to hunt, and... And and what's all included, Ramsey, in this hunt? So, three days, two nights, full meals included, uh, transportation out there, fully guided, fully guided. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, the the experience itself. The guided experience is from two leggings, but the meals and stuff is provided by Bull Mountain Brothers. So, yeah, correct. It's uh, 
I wish we could. Uh, we kind of talked to, with Dylan, who was the first annual turkey winner um, on the season uh, finale. But you know, we're definitely going to have to have a conversation with him um, and bring him bring him on to basically to explain like how it went just for the people that are might be a little bit um it's a turkey hunt you know we we ran into that last year a lot of people didn't really uh know if they loved the idea of a guided turkey hunt uh but essentially that was one of the funnest moments i think of our hunting experience last year yeah i mean it it helped that we knew Dylan beforehand, which right. I'm sure we'll we can this group of guys that gets along with everybody, so I, it'll be just as fun with anybody else. But it seventy percent of the time it wasn't even the turkey hunting; it was just driving around, getting to see this beautiful piece of property, um, eating good food, <laughs> eating super good food. Matt's an amazing cook. I know we've touched on that before, and uh, I mean just driving around telling stories you know stopping somewhere and building the fire and and matt cooked food over an open fire i mean that was badass and shooting a bear i mean that was a yeah that was an afternoon to shoot a bear that was something that was not included but it happened yeah uh i think that like another thing to talk about too is um the uh just the ability to to give back to you guys and for you not to be like nervous maybe about going to, to go somewhere you've never been before. You know what I mean? Right. Without, yeah. but by yourself. It, it totally, because like, like that was the big conversation that we had was Matt was like worried. He said it too. He was like, you know, if you get invited to a guided hunt or something like that, it's like, why, uh, why wouldn't you want somebody that is important to you to like be like, it's hard when you like don't know all of us, you know what I mean? Yeah. It is. And it's like, it'd be nice to have somebody that you know, to be there with you to make the experience better. And that's kind of what we thought. Yeah. I think it's going to be even possibly more fun, but, um, I don't know, just as fun as we had from Dylan. But I'm going to touch on some uh, some some rules and regulations just so you know what's going on. Um, as far as the sale of tickets, it's still confined to the state of Montana, even though we're working in a nonprofit. The way it's designed is just how it's going to have to be. Um, you have to be 18 years old or older to buy a ticket. You, you need to have your Montana State license. Um, what else, Rams? Oh, Sean's who do you need on me again? Just saying. <laughs> Sean, where'd you go, buddy? <laughs> oh, camera's back in. What do we call that? What is this? What is the technical term? Back in session? I don't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> hey, kudos to the boys. That was one hell of a battery change we just did. I don't know if you knew what just happened, but we had one hell of a battery change. Even though there was a little segment in there where I just was sitting here by myself. That's all right. But uh, so yeah, um, I don't know. Is there anything else that we need to touch on that was part of that turkey hunt? Um, I'm trying to think of the poster real quick. 500 tickets are going to be a. That is the plan to be sold. But as we found last year, it, 500 tickets to be sold in a two-month span is, is, is a challenge. But now we have one more guy to do it. 
Um, so you have, you and know, it's going to a benefit. So I, 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 I'm hoping we can we can do it with the help of all you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. Um, I love I love to give I love to get with Mike and him just be excited with what we can bring them, and uh, I'd love to stay in touch with him, maybe get him on the podcast or at least let us know where that you know what Hunter got to do what, and that would be cool to find out. And and who knows what next season will bring? Yeah. Uh, you know. But it's cool. Second annual turkey. I mean, we're we're gonna be known as a turkey hunt, guys. I mean, that's fine with me. I I've like we've talked about. I've, well, and and for you, Riley, last year, like I said, you you guys didn't believe me when I first told you hunting turkeys like hunting elk. Same thing, just smaller species. But uh, when you found that one in last year, I think changed your whole turkey hunting mind. Uh, I uh, I'm usually starting to get pretty excited for steelhead, cutthroat, and brown trout fishing oh, right I, now i'm very excited I, i'm this. getting excited for it but like i've been like genuinely thinking about how excited for turkey hunting i am uh and i get to do a lot of it this year i hear that the lodge is quite booked with clients this yes year, so. we, we we actually got the only three days which i guess we could touch on oh that yeah that's too. a good idea um may what's the, what are the days the only days we can do it this year it's the may uh, 12th like, 13th and 14th yes um will be will be the day and then and I guess if, if it happens, you, you get drawn and you can't do it, we will honor that next year. If, if Is that yes. what you would say? We would honor that for next year if the 2020— or, or, or you can re-put it back into the drawing. Yeah, we'll call you that night so you tell us what you want to do. Um, can we can do a second Give it forward drawing. or whatever. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it work for whatever you know the raffle winner likes the best. The raffle will be held March 24th. That'll be a Saturday, and I, we'll be doing, a, just like we did last year, live— but it's gonna be way cooler with all this cool, cool stuff we got going on in here. Um, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I'm excited. So, oh yeah. What do you guys think? You think that was a good wrap on the uh, season premiere here? Oh, I, I can't ask for anything more. I, I will say uh, it took us about ten hours to do this today, but uh, to get an hour and a half out of this, uh, we're gonna just keep learning, and uh, we hope you like the show. Keep listening to the Bull Mountain Brothers. It's a show now. YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. And uh, as always, we'll catch you on the next one. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Bull Mountain Brothers. Hey, if you're looking for more Bull Mountain Brothers, be sure to follow us on TikTok and Instagram at bull underscore mountain underscore brothers and Facebook and YouTube at Bull Mountain Brothers. Also, don't forget to check out our B&B store at bullmountainbrothers.com where you can find some super sweet deals on some seasonal merchandise and outdoor gear.